Hello, 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 She Before Me family. It is Tisney, and I am back once again. Oh my gosh, um, so many amazing women have just kind of surfaced, and I've just been extremely excited about these interviews. So we're back again, uh, She Before Me, the podcast. Again, if you are not a part of the She Before Me community on Facebook, you need to get in tune, okay? Lots of great conversations going on there. And then also follow us on Instagram at She Before Me. Today, our special guest is Vicky. Vicky, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Like, this is really dope. Yeah, thank you. I'm so happy that you're following and you just kind of, you kind of see it from just all the different levels. Like you said, you follow the page. I mean, you've been listening to the podcast, you're in the community. So you get to tune in the different layers that we have going. So that's exciting to hear that people are kind of tapping into the different layers that we are providing with She Before Me. So I appreciate that. Most definitely. I think anytime you have women for real supporting and working together, I'm always going to be in support. It's too many like times in just life period that we're kind of pitted against each other where it is for like minutes limited spots or limited room at the table and I feel like we're not really nurtured to nurture each other and this is a prime opportunity for that so I'm always in support oh man that's amazing because that's exactly why she before me is um existing right now it's because I just it was just too many silos I just feel like Let's all come together um, and get it done together, you know, lift each other up, um, network, you know, build a community and build a solid community where, you know, you can just hear everyone's voice, the everyday people, their stories, um, what's going on in their lives and things like that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. So, but yeah, you hit it right on the head. That's exactly what we're trying to do here. <laughs> cool, cool. Uh, down some walls here. But um, we're going to talk about grief. Oh, man. I know. It's such a heavy thing, man, because um, I feel like for me, I didn't really feel grief, you know, the 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 weight of the word you know what i'm saying like the the soul touching of like what grief really feels like i mean when you're young you may see other people maybe losing people and not even mm-hmm. just loss because we initially we think of just like loss and like losing um someone to death as as the major you know kind of pinpoint for grief but i feel like grief can happen in so many different areas um and people just man it's so weighted it holds us down. It prevents us from just kind of um, living life and, and moving forward and things like that. What was your What was your first encounter with grief? Who tell? It's like Tabitha Brown says, "Let's get into it." <laughs> um, 
<laughs> um, in all seriousness, I death has been a thing that I have been a afraid of and be around for the majority of my life. So, um, my mom she passed when I was thirty two, okay. um, and previous to that, I lost my grandmother when I was around twenty five. Okay. Um. So. Previous to all of that, my mom was was kind of a minister. So she like had a nonprofit and all these different kind of things. And my mom, when I was growing up, just forever was around when people transitioned. Like okay. if her friends needed like extra support, um, she would always be at the hospital when we had family members that we lost. She would kind of be there, be around, um, just a big support to people. Wow. So as a child, sometimes I would be there, sometimes I wouldn't. And my mom kind of always tried to talk to me about loss and like the reality of it. Mm. Um, so but that was kind of like just a part of her. What was she saying to you at a young age about grief? So she would say things to me like, you know, that it was a part of life and that um, kind of what the process was like, how not to be afraid of it. Um, that, you know, people, just like they come in this world, they also transition out of this world. Um, and that it's painful, but it's necessary. Okay. And so, you know, and she kind of, you know, as I grew up, she would kind of explain a little more about it to me. And I realized everybody didn't have that kind of experience because, you know, most of the people I knew, like their kids didn't really go to funerals. Whereas I did, I probably started going to funerals when I was like eight or nine. So um, I always had an awareness, but it was also something I was very fearful about. I just really didn't get down with like being around for these moments. Um, I felt like. Yeah, but what was it, what was it about it that, you know, you feared at, even as a child about it? Like obviously just the weird, the weirdness, of, if that's even a word, the weird, you know, uh, the eeriness of like death lingering. But as a child, what were you feeling when you were around it so much? Like what caused the fear for you? I think for me, it was that A, I didn't like the finality of it. So I didn't like that in death, you never see them anymore. As a child, like that's mm -hmm. what I was kind of processing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as well as I just hated to see other people hurt. Um, and yeah. um, my mom didn't always take me around it. And at the times that she did, it was because she kind of wanted me to have an awareness. Yeah. Um, but to me, it was just really hard to see people struggle. So as I grew into adulthood mm -hmm. um, and when my grandmother passed, I just really had a hard time. And so, you know, at the time, my method was to throw myself into work. So I just kind of like got multiple jobs. Right after that, I went away to grad school. Um, my grandmother passed probably two months before I went to grad school. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of threw myself into like this like schedule where I just didn't allow myself to really feel. And what would happen is, is I would just have these like random breakdowns where I just couldn't hold it together. Mm. Uh, yeah like it was it was a real thing and me and my grandmother were really really close and so I just really wasn't ready for the emotions that come with grief so then I moved back here and I was living here for a couple years 
Um, and then my mom has started to get sick. Okay. And my mom kind of held her illness for a long time. And so her decline was in about eight months. Um, and so it kind of accelerated and accelerated and it, it went from like being in and out of the hospital to just kind of in the hospital. Um, and so when my mom transitioned, I was ready to accept that she wasn't there, but I wasn't ready for all the feelings I would have about it. Well, let's go back. Let's go back to even losing your grandmother. Sure. And that you didn't allow yourself to feel. And I think um, we talk about the topic of just healing and things like that. Do you feel like death is something that you can ultimately heal from? I think that death is something you can ultimately accept and heal from the pain of it. Ooh. So um, I think that for one, like whenever they kind of break down to you, like the steps of grief, yeah. you know, like, you know, anger, acceptance, et cetera, et cetera. They never really tell you that you can bounce from the steps. So one day you could be in a space where, okay, I accept this person is no longer here right. to something happens in a day that reminds you of that loved one and it can bounce you back to anger because you want to talk to them. Yeah. Um, I thought <laughs> that I could just go through each step. Once I've completed it, I'm a great student, right? Like I, if I could be a professional student, I would. So my thing was like, I finished this step, I completed it, I moved on to the next step, I completed that. And that eventually I would get to a place of wholeness mm. where those things no longer affect me. That's not really how grief works. Okay, so what, and that's very true. You know, the bouncing around from step to step can de definitely linger. Um, but which step was the hardest for you? Because there's shock, right? There's the denial, there's the anger, there's the bargaining. Then you go into this depression, and then there's like this testing phase, and then there's the final acceptance. Which, which one was the hardest for you? Anger. Mm. Hands down. Anger. Um, what were you angry? With my grandma... With my grandmother so much, I was angry because I just wasn't ready for her to go anywhere. And so then, as I, you know, kind of like through the course of like the year and kind of processing my feelings on my own, because I didn't get a therapist at this point, I got to the place where I was like, you know, she was older. That's a part of life. It's not what I wanted. Um, but I could deal with that. I could be okay with that. Right. Do you think that being stuck in some of these phases um, is because of selfishness? Possibly. And I'm going to tell you why I say possibly. Okay. I think for one, um, we're kind of taught that it's wrong to be selfish. Mm. So uh, we, <laughs> I think selfish is like a bad word that mm -hmm. we tell people. But there are times where you kind of have to be selfish and you have to acknowledge that that's how you feel. Yeah. So you can't deal with any of it until you see that A, yes, I'm being selfish and I want them here. And B, is that really fair right. to that person? Yeah. And that's why I say selfish actually, because um, you know, I feel like when we when we lose someone, we become especially <laughs> within the black community, um, when dealing with death. Um, there's a lot of selfishness um, activities going on. Like, no, I don't want this to happen. And no, I'm not ready. And no, I feel like we should do this, you know, in the last um, part of their life to care for them. And I, I feel like we tend to 
be the most selfish in this time and not looking at the situation as is. Like you said, it took you some years to look back and say, okay, you know what? My grandma did live this long life. She's it's towards the end. You know, she was sickly. She was hurting, you know, whatever. Um, and you had to just kind of displace yourself out of the, you know, your feelings out of that whole scenario before you were able to go on to the next, you know, layer or next layer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that I also have to become okay with the idea that sometimes I'm going to be selfish mm. because the type of person that I am, I will sooner be like, I'm just going to swallow this because it's selfish. Right. And I'll just do whatever it takes. I'll, I'll sacrifice whatever I need to do. But then later when those feelings start bubbling up of, well, why is this making me so upset? Why do I feel like it's not fair? Then I have to see that somewhere, yes, I was selfish. Mm. And that that's okay. Yeah. Because these are people we love and people we want. When it becomes a problem is that we become so selfish that we don't do what's best for them. Yes. There you go. That's when it's a problem. Yep. Um, you know, and at the time, you know, I was in my 20s, so I was like, most of this stuff is about me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like everything is about me. Yeah. Like, so true. it was like, you know, um, and so it took me like a year to really be okay. Okay. Um, and then when my mom got sick, I mean, I was like full steam. My dad and I was just kind of like, we're going to like get her well. We're going to take care of her, whatever she needs to do. Um, and she, when she declined, she declined really quickly. So those like moments when they talk to you about like, this is just not gonna go how you think happened really, really late in the game. We Mm. talk in days. Mm -hmm. So um, I really, at first I was in this place of like, I don't want my mother to hurt anymore. I don't want my mother to be in pain anymore. So if I have to let her go, that's what it's going to be. Right. Um, and I really wasn't really struggling. I mean, I was struggling with not having her because we were like the best of friends. I'm mm-hmm. almost exactly like my mom. And I'm her own, and I'm my parents' only child. So, you know, growing up, it was really just the three of us. And when it came to like my mom and like projects and things she wanted to do or things at church or whatever, it was really the two of us just living life. And she was my source in a lot of ways and me just feeling okay with me that I wasn't ready to give up all of that. Right. I just wasn't. Um, and so like the day that it happened, I did fairly well. Um, and then that's when I learned that those steps can happen out of order. Okay. <laughs> and that you can wake up the next day and absolutely hate everyone. It doesn't matter what they did or didn't do. You just feel a certain type of way. Um, And so I really tried to like handle it on my own for a long time. And, you know, I would kind of swallow these feelings and retreat because I would feel like, you know, a lot of people loved my mom. She was like a rock to so many people. So I would feel the need to help them through. And I was like, I don't even have the capacity to help me through. So I just wouldn't have the conversation. I would just swallow it. And so then what, I got to the point where I couldn't do it anymore. How did the, the losses um, holistically affect you? 
you know, in all aspects of your life? My mom's was probably the most impactful. Okay. Um, my mom's loss, losing my mother really challenged me to look at me. So it, it really did. Uh, my mom, I could tell my mother anything. And so losing her at the age that I lost her, um, I felt like I had lost out on a lot of time. And I felt like I was just growing into myself and showing her me as an adult. Did that change? And then I lost her. I'm sorry, what? Did it change your direction at all as you were in this process of self-discovery and excited to kind of share this self with your mother after her death? Did it change your direction in which you were trying to, you know, discover more about yourself? Um, it completely halted it. Mm. Mm. Um, I had no inspiration to do anything. I was pretty much going to work, going to church, and coming home. I would hang out with friends, but I wouldn't really be present. Like, I just, I had just kind of holed up in myself. And on the outside, people didn't really see it. Like, I would always hear people tell me, like, you're doing so good. You're doing great. Like, it's amazing how well you're doing. Right. And internally, I was struggling. And so I decided to get a therapist. Mm. Um, and did, did, no, did not any of your friends or family come to you and be like, listen, I know you struggling like I see it you know or or did you completely mask it um there are very few people who are really really close to me that would see me and would know I was having a hard time okay I think for a lot of people though they were so hurt because it was so sudden for them too that they really were coming to me to remind them of her so we would have these conversations and they would be like, I just can't imagine what you're dealing with because I know how much it hurts me. Mm. So eventually I just kind of lost my voice. It was so many different experiences of that, that I just shut down and I started only projecting what I wanted people to see. Mm. Um, and deep on the deep down, I was really just resentful. Right. I was resentful of people who had their moms longer than me. I was resentful of people who um, kind of went through those moments that you wanted to go with your mother. Um, the plans that I felt like we lost, I was just angry. And so I had told God, I said, you know what? I will do the therapy thing, but it's got to work on the first time. Yeah. If it doesn't work on the first time, I quit. There won't be no therapy. There won't be no, I'm just going to be out here just trying to maintain. Right. So when you went to therapy, you know, how was the overall experience in helping you with, with grief? Did you feel like it helped at all? Oh, yes. Okay. Um, and I always kind of share my story with people um, and kind of my thoughts, even on social media, I kind of share my thoughts um, about where I'm, where I'm at. Mm -hmm. But therapy, for one, is taking a lot of different steps in my life. So right now it has a different purpose than it did then. Okay. At the point that I started therapy, I was matched with a, a great therapist, like my first one out the gate. Okay. Because I had prayed. I had prayed and I said, I promise you, well, if it don't work out this first time, I'm out. 
Um, and I told her that. I told her that on our first meeting. But <laughs> at the time, I did. I my my keep it real game Come is really with strong. It. Come with it. Come with it. Get my life right now. Save me right you know? now. <laughs> um, and she was patient. And I needed someone who could kind of get me to hoping again. I had stopped hoping in anything because I felt like I didn't get this one thing that I had prayed so hard about and I wanted. And so that meant I couldn't have anything else. That was what I was telling myself every day. And so when I went to therapy, I said, this is what I think. I think that I am, at the time I was 33, I was like, I think all of this is trash. Mm. I think losing my mom is trash. I yeah. feel like I lost out on all my dreams and yeah. I don't hope for too much of anything. Right. What do we do about that? <laughs> what was it that the therapist said that was like your aha moment? I feel like when I went to therapy, there was a few fa- phrases that she said that I was like, oh, snap. Like it really just was my light bulb of like, this is the reality or slap in the face or whatever it was to like kick me in the butt to do what I had to do. Um, so you went, you were already tough out the gate. Like, Hey, save my life. Do it now. Say <laughs> something. Right. <laughs> but what was um, that aha moment for you? What was that light bulb moment? Like when she, what phase I'm, I'm assuming this is a she, but you know, when mm-hmm. the therapist said, you know, X, Y, Z. So um, Julie is funny. That's that's her name. And she said to me, um, A, she challenged me. She said, what makes you think that you don't get anything else? Mm. Because this didn't work out how you expected. Mm. And what if your mom was ready to transition and you just weren't? Ooh. What was your response to that? <sighs> well, my answer to her first question was, I really don't know because the person who told me all my hopes and dreams could happen isn't here. Mm. And I said, now I have to define that for myself. And she said, and is that scary to you? And I said, it is. And she was like, but it's doable. Mm. And so we progressively started working on that about what the roots of that was. Yeah. In addition about my mom being ready to to transition. To be honest, I knew my mom was ready to transition. I knew in the things that she said, like towards the end, you, you, I just wasn't she ready. She knew or she didn't? <laughs> she, she knew, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and so like, I just wasn't ready to hear it. And so she didn't want to discourage me. So she didn't push it with me. Um, and so that's kind of like what you said about that whole selfishness thing at the time it didn't feel selfish at the time it felt like i was advocating for my mom and that that's what you do when it's someone that you love um but i had to realize that at some point it transitioned into me wanting what i wanted and that when i didn't get it i was just disappointed in everything because i didn't get what i wanted And that takes an honesty to see that. And that's why I tell anyone, like, when you're grieving, the first thing you have to do is be honest and be gracious to yourself. That is okay. You have to extend yourself grace because emotions happen. Feelings happen. Things happen that are unexpected. And if you sit around here beating yourself up for what you think you should have thought when these things happen, you'll never get out the rabbit hole. Absolutely. 
And so have that's what I did. Define, have you been hmm? able to define what's next for you beyond that? I take it day by day. Okay. So I know that um, I want to somehow impart it to others. I think that um, at the time when I lost my mom, I felt like I knew so many people who had their parents, but I didn't realize how many of us have lost our parents young. Mm -hmm. So I thought I was in this island by myself and I'm finding out that that's not really true. Um, And I think that process is so different. Not to say that the pain isn't, isn't, isn't the same, but the, but the feeling is different when you're young and you lost a parent. Um, It does something to you for your foundation to kind of, for you to lose a piece of your foundation when you're young because you're still defining yourself at the same time and life doesn't stop. And so there's some way that I want to impart that, that I want to change that um, for people. And even people who are, as as they get older, when they lose people that they love, you know, I think that grief is just a thing that you have to, it takes day by day to navigate. I'm just now getting to the place where I can own the fact that there's things I want for my life and that, I can dream again and achieve those dreams. Yeah. I'm just now, and my mom, it'll be three years in about two weeks, um, to the place where I could say, you know what, Vic, it's okay to dream and it's okay to want. Yeah. It took me years to do that. But what, but what really becomes detrimental to someone who's grieving, dysfunctional grieving, you know, when you're mm-hmm. just holding on to that for, uh, an excessive period of time, not even excessive, because like, like you said, it comes and goes, but to the point where it's dictating your life, like what becomes detrimental in the, the, the grieving process? Like if a person doesn't do this step or avoids this step or uh, vice versa, when trying to grieve, it gets very easy to get stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets very easy to, first off, Grief is a thing because it's a, a a heart thing. It's very easy to get stuck. I knew people. I remember my mom passed. I was like, I know so many people who their houses look the exact same from when their loved one passed away 10, 20 years ago. Oh, and I said, they've gotten stuck. And that's not what I want for myself. Right? Right. So as I go through the process now, are there some things I could work on with my mom's things? Sure. Is, are there things that I'm ready to do now that I wasn't ready to do two years ago? Absolutely. But I have to be intentional in taking those steps. I think a lot of times in grief, if you, if you kind of get in that dysfunctional space, it's really hard to get stuck and get comfortable there. But what does coping really look like? You know, I know it could be subjective, but for you, what did coping look like? Real coping. Um, you know, what were some tools, techniques, processes, rituals, some things that, I don't know, what's, what are some things that like for you were very much needed in your coping process? Um, for one, I needed, I needed people that I could lean on mm-hmm. um, because my mom was such a rock to me. Right. So, you know, Losing that rock did a lot of things to me emotionally. It was like I had to lose um, my mother, which hurts. Right. And then it was like on top of that, the person who I shared all my opinions with, good or bad, 
and could still see the light in me, see the talents in me was, wasn't there like I needed them to be. Mm-hmm. So, um, and my dad does for me that, does that for me as well, but I think it's something about mothers and daughters. Yep. Um, and so like learning how to cope with her not being here also meant that I had to be able to be open to a couple people that I probably hadn't been because I had my mom. There was no reason to, you know, like it, my thing was like, you know, I'm cool with everybody, but the person that I lean on is my mother. Yeah. Um, I also had to grow up internally and be confident in who I am. I was confident before, but not in this way. Not in the way of that I didn't need to lean on her so much. Um, and at the time, you know, I'm in, you know, my late twenties, turned thirty. I was kind of transitioning and in, into being this like self-sufficient person. But when it came to like my innermost like thoughts and dreams and and how I saw my future to be, I still love to kind of sit with her and talk to her about it. So I needed to find a space where I could do that with someone else, not necessarily lean on them, but to be able to open up to them. Um, And at the time when I started therapy, I wasn't ready to share with, with people. I just wasn't. And so I was like, well, this is a person who's unbiased, who I'm paying a service, so I'm going to talk to them about everything that I really think. Yeah. And then they encouraged me to open up to people that I felt I could trust and I could start building relationships and I could start, you know, trusting people with what I'm thinking and feeling and not feel like I had to have it all together. And so that's how it's so helpful for me. I hate that people say like, oh, you have to put you know, people try to put a time on like, oh, that person just needs time to heal. They need time to, to themselves. They need time for that. And I, sometimes I just feel like sometimes healing doesn't necessarily have a time stamp on it. You know what I'm saying? It does not. But it does not. You being able to heal and release some of that grief um, becomes essential. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I don't know why we get, why do people get so hung up on this time thing? You know? Because here's the thing, <laughs> if I could be wrong, <laughs> this is just life according to Vic. I think that two things happen when it comes to how other people define other people's grief processes. Mm-hmm. So, because these are usually not the things that they attribute to themselves. That's the first thing. Yeah. This, um, grief, for, when people are trying to help someone else grieve through something, it's uncomfortable. Mm. what they're really speaking to is how long they can stick out (laughs) this process with another person so they'll be like you know they just need time what you're really saying is there's a certain amount of time that you can kind of walk this out with them at this level you know what I mean like all right you got about five more minutes and then (laughs) I mean because it's not easy easy, especially if you haven't I'm going to tell yeah. you something. Walking right. through grief with someone is like a real, real thing. Yeah. Everybody can't do it at every level. Yeah. I had to realize that yep. in, internally because what I was doing was... Did you feel like you more, were like putting more on some on people in, in this process while you were grieving? Like, I need you here with me and I need yep. you to be... Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, it affect many relationships around you? It 
here's what I did that that was a that was on me. I internally wanted people present in a certain way, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I would feel like if things started to get uncomfortable for them. I would retreat because I would say they can't handle this. And some people I didn't give a chance to because I was so concerned about not stressing other people out. Right. And my therapist challenged me to try opening up a little bit to people as much as you can handle. Yep. And just see what they do with it. I think that some processes, I think also for some people, it's not how long they can handle it. Some people it's that them but some people it is they really haven't been through that type of grief so they know how long when they grieve someone it took for them but this type of grief may be different and it might take longer um and i think that did you and did you got so did you get different responses from people who've actually been through similar a similar type of grief or did you not see a difference you know some people who haven't lost a parent may not necessarily be able to, um, you know, sympathize or empathize, right? But um, they try to be there. And then maybe in your eyes, it could be like, you'll never understand, you know, <laughs> type of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> those, those was the conversation. Um, yeah. the, for some people, yeah. I, for some people, people that I knew that had lost a parent at my age, they understood. Yeah. Because... Then what, what was the advice from those type of people who, who felt that? Did you get any type of comfort in some of the encouragement that you got from the people who had similar uh, uh, losses? They gave me the time and space. Okay. So to okay. not put so much pressure on myself. Right. right. Um, that was so helpful because I had told myself that I better do this right. I'm going to do this grief thing right. I am going to show people that I can handle it, that I'm okay. My mom gave me all the tools. I wasn't ready for the times when I didn't feel that way. And so for myself, I've had to remind myself every morning, be gracious to myself, that this is a process. It's going to take time. You're making progress even when you feel like you don't. I tell myself that every day Mm -hmm. because... I would get on me and still get on me. Like, you know what? I'm not where I want to be. I'm not doing what I want to do. Nobody sees me. Nobody sees my struggle. These are like the internal. That's what makes grief so difficult is that there's internal dialogue happening with yourself. And usually what happens when you've lost a loved one is that it exposes other issues. Right. Because life doesn't stop. So it's not just about losing a, a parent or losing mm-hmm. someone you love or, you know, it's not just about that. It exposes like the ways that you felt like maybe you weren't enough or it shows you maybe the ways in which you needed them that now you don't have them, you know, yeah. or it shows you the way that sometimes you're you're selfish and you want what you want and it doesn't matter what they want it and you feel like this isn't fair like those types of feelings come up whether you're ready for it or not and so you have to figure out how to navigate them and that's why I said from the beginning you got to be ready to be honest about your feelings and that that's okay it's about what you do with them I want to go back to what you said about people and their ability to be able to handle 
um, you know, supporting somebody when they're grieving. What mm-hmm. didn't you, what didn't you need during that time? Cause I feel like sometimes people just don't know how to support somebody when they lost somebody. And it's just like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And that's kind of, that can be annoying. And then it could be um, this overly like, you good, you good, you good. And it's like, that could be annoying. Like, what didn't you like about some of the response or encouragement? You know what I'm saying? Or what didn't you need during that time? Totally. Um, Well, for one, I think at the time, authenticity was really important to me. I didn't like hollow questions. Mm. I felt like if, (laughs) and as I realized later, that was kind of unfair of me. Yeah. And that people really were trying to just make sure I was okay. But in the bubble that I had created, unless you was willing to like be in the trenches, you weren't authentic. Mm. Really? I really that's just put, felt that's like... That's hard to put on. <laughs> huh? That's hard to put on people. Like, I, know, right. <laughs> right. I'm telling you, I there was so much I learned about my personality. Did you lose, did you lose people in that process, in the grieving process because of that? I didn't lose them because I never shared it with them. Okay, that's right. That's right. I never shared it with them. I I was just I wouldn't speak it because I knew it was unfair. And I would say this is really me. And I'll be honest with you, it was really me just angry that my best friend was gone. Yeah. Yeah. So in my head, everybody got it. Unless you was like willing to be Mm -hmm. like there with me in the trenches I was just like you just checking on me for the temporary you just checking on me because you miss my mom um I remember I would get angry because people would always share these like moments with me they had with my mom and they would like start to break down and I would start to break down but then when I would go home I would be angry because I would be like they didn't even ask me how I was feeling they didn't even see that I was struggling um and they wanted me to help them through what what I was de- what they were dealing with, and so um, I learned that you have to give other people grace too. That my mom meant something to them too. I was just about to say it's it's basically you being your mom to those people, even in her loss. And I couldn't do it. I could not. I told people like I don't have the resources to be her for you right now. Ooh. And I, and and at first I really tried. I tried like I'm gonna swallow all these feelings. Yeah. I'm just gonna like try and be that person. Um, and then I found out I couldn't do it. And I found out secretly I resented them for it because I was like I'm the one that lost my mother. And then in the middle of it, I would have people tell me, you know, especially older people, like, well, you should just be grateful for the time that you have with her. There are people that had their parents less time. There are people that never had their parents. And I get angry at them. (laughs) (laughs) And then one of the annoying comments, like, well, at least, well, at least. And you're like, okay, but presently, this is where I'm at. This is where my head was like, forget your for your uh, will at least um but when I went to therapy I realized how important it is to have a space where you can say that these are the things that make you upset yeah. because in saying them you could get some clarity like you know what that's not really what you think yeah you don't really think people don't care about you you just think that you can't share you with everyone like you could share with your mom. 
I could be 150% honest with my mother my entire life. Yeah. So I, I just felt like there was no other space for me. There was no other space for me anywhere. And so having a therapist encouraged me to be that space for others that, you know, when I know I have a friend who's going through grieving, to be able to sit with them and be like, hey, you can say to me whatever you want. Yeah. Because I realized how important it was for me to have a space where I could say whatever I thought. Because sometimes in our heads, we think something's true. And when we say it, it's like, that's not really, that's not really it. I know that's That's not really it at all. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um. But what about so I didn't I didn't lose a lot of relationships. I I just didn't speak it. Um and then when I spoke it, I spoke it in a place where I could really deal with it. That's deep, man. <laughs> <laughs> um but even just speaking to the feeling part, you said you had to allow yourself to feel it. You know, once you felt it, what did it feel like? And I know pain is the closest probably word, but if you can describe what feeling it really felt like um, beyond just uh, the word of pain. And then the second part of that is, does feeling it change over time? Um, The feeling of you actually feeling the loss and the grief change over time, or is it still the same? You know, because as you're evolving and you're accepting and you're moving through these stages of grief, does feeling it change? Mm, I think, well, for one, I can, the actor in me could totally describe to you what it felt like. Uh, um, grief and pain, when I finally allowed myself to feel the feeling, mm-hmm. it was like I was drowning Ooh. in an ocean where there was no place for me to anchor. Okay. Um, especially in the beginning um you know it's kind of like when you hold your breath when you take that that breath finally yeah it's so much more intense than just you breathing every day I had spent so much time holding in holding in breaking down for a second holding in again Mm. um that when I finally allowed myself to feel and not in like an uncontrollable like breakdown state, but even in me just saying, okay, I'm going to to allow myself to feel this. It was like I was drowning. Ooh. And I would just get so down and so upset and this is not fair. Um, and the way I would anchor myself is to say, you know what? It's not fair. It's not cool. I would call someone, talk it out. I could eventually step out of the drowning stage and get to like a manageable stage. Right. Um, I had tried to control so many things. When when my mom passed, I called my job and I said, my mom just passed. I'm going to need three weeks off. I'll see you on this day. (laughs) My boss had never (laughs) heard of anything like that. (laughs) I had tried to manage so many things and I would have these like bursts where I just couldn't I just couldn't handle it yeah Yeah. um and I would feel that drowning feeling and then I would try to like get a way to stabilize um 
But what I realized was that I really just needed a safe, a safe space so that even if I thought I was drowning, I would realize that I wasn't and that there was someone there to support me and hold my hand and talk to me and be like, what are you feeling? How are you thinking? Yes. Is that really what the situation is or is it really something else? Um, those moments were crucial because now when I have those experiences, I know what's happening. Mm. I know like, well, okay, this day meant something to me. This type of event meant something to me and my mom. I'm going to have a hard time. Right. And what do I need to make sure I can get through that hard time successfully yes. where I don't come out at the end of it like, this is just where I'm going to stay. Yep. This is just where I'm going to land. Um, and it's still a process because like, I, like when we talked about in the beginning, I don't think that there's a time stamp on grief. I think you get to a place where it's, you accept it and you see how it could function in your life so that you are still moving and breathing and doing and dreaming and you just miss this person. Yeah. And it's not like a, my world should stop because I miss this person. And some people, they get stuck in the, I don't want anything else but this person back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like, but that's, you that's not really accurate. Like, oh yeah, for sure. But you don't necessarily feel like you're drowning as much anymore. Mm -mm, no, I definitely don't feel like the drowning feeling that I used to. Now it's just that I really miss her and I miss this about her. And this is what I need more to feel more secure. Mm. Mm. Because really, that's what grief does. Grief, it really exposes your insecurities. It exposes like what you really need to feel secure in because it knocks you off your balance. Right. You know, life has been going one way and then all of a sudden the significant person in your life is gone. And the insecurities that you have come up because that was part of your foundation. And you almost have to redefine yourself again without that peace or at least that peace physically. Because yeah. what therapy also taught me was that her lessons are still here her memories are still here the things that I loved about her are still here I had spent so much time ignoring those things because all it did was just remind me of her Ooh. what do you what do you think you what would you think her words of encouragement uh would have been while you were in the grieving process you know, um, well, I was really fortunate. as a leader, uh, especially around so many during that time, you know, what do we, what do you think she would have said to you? I was really fortunate. Um, my mom in the last four years of her living, she made me, well, my whole life really, she made me these things about how much she loved me. But in her last four years, she had made me like books and calendars, all with things that she loved about me and things to remind myself of how special and impactful I am. Okay. So um, one of her books is in my car. And so when I'm at work and I have a, hard, a tough time, like I, um, I just going through my day and I'm having a time, I'll open it up and it'll stay in there um, like some of her favorite scriptures or, you know, you have such a big heart. These are the things I love about you. Right. Um, and I would just go back and I just listen and I just read 
the things that she loved about me. Yeah. Um, the one thing that she always left me with, though, was that to be kind to myself and be honest with myself mm-hmm. and to give myself grace. And I still tell myself that every day because that allows for me to, A, feel my feelings and do the work that I need to do to better myself, but it also allows me to extend that to others and Mm -hmm. to be gracious with others and be kind to others and to give them the space to be honest and real with themselves. So those are the things that she really taught me so that I could use them every day. Wow, that kind of kind of transitioned into my last question. Oh, for sure. (laughs) I'm just like, (laughs) what would you, you know, how would you encourage people who are, you know, currently grieving and just really confused about where to start in their healing process? You had a lot of great nuggets, which I feel like people can use as reference, but just to kind of tie it all together, ultimately, what would you like to, you know, tell all the women out there about, you know, grief, um, dealing with grief, loss, um, coming out of it, um, how to cope, you know, in any, any part of grief. What I would say is that grief <laughs> teaches you mm. what you're open for it to teach you. Yeah. Um, and that it has this powerful way of either controlling you or teaching you determinate on how you view it um so honestly i would say each day look at it as a new one determine what you can manage today and what you can't and give yourself the grace for that to be okay Mm -hmm. and that the next day challenge yourself a little more to try something else and that in time you'll find out that you have the capacity to do so much more. In the beginning of my process, I would start in the morning and I would make a post like, this day is trash. Oh, man. <laughs> you trash, I'm a trash, it. all y'all trash. Like, <laughs> going in. I would post it on, on Facebook and I would just go about my day. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, people would write on my post all this encouragement yeah. just to get me through that day. And I didn't realize how much I needed that. Yeah. Yeah. And so now some days I may still have that, but now I know that each day I could challenge myself to do just a little more than what I did the day before. Mm-hmm. And that I have the grace to feel my feelings, do what I can manage and still be a great person. Because ultimately what we're concerned about is we're gonna do this grief thing wrong. Yep. Yep. And honestly, once you take that off the table and you just try to achieve to be your best self that you can manage each day and that you give yourself the grace that sometimes it doesn't work, then you can start building into your day what you need to feel more loved and supported. So some days I start with, a quote that I needed. I start with a scripture that I needed. Mm-hmm. I reach out and say, hey, I may need a little extra love today. I might do a social media post like, man, this is what I'm really thinking. This is what I'm really missing yeah. from my mom. Yeah. And that helps me to cope for that day. And then I find out the next day, I'm a little stronger than I was before. Ooh. Okay. 
okr. (laughs) (laughs) But how important is it for, how important is it for people to seek therapy in the grieving process? I think it's so essential. Okay. I think, um, and I'm all for a, a community. I think it takes a village and a community to achieve what you need. And I think a really good therapist will encourage you to build that to yeah. build your core, right? Yep. Um, but the nice thing about therapy is that they are there solely just to hear what you think. Mm-mm-mm. And there are very few places where you can be 150% honest and there's no repercussions. Like this person isn't going to choose to not be your friend or be your friend. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, because you're paying for this service. Right. Um, and they challenge you to be honest so they even want even more honesty than you providing um i think that helps you in figuring out where you are and where you're trying to go and what this what you really need to get the support that you need sometimes when you're grieving you don't know what you need and it's nice to have someone that can kind of help you work through that because that takes time and it helps you to kind of get moving you know, because I can admit, before I started going to therapy, I wasn't moving much. Nor did I feel like I should. I felt like this was all I got. I got my mom for 32 years. And um, that was the best thing I ever could have had. And that anything I was hoping for after that, I didn't deserve. Honestly, that's what I thought. I have degrees. I have a master's. Yeah. And in my head, none of that even mattered. Mm-hmm. Because I lost my mom. Going to therapy helped me work through that, why I felt that way, and how I could change my mindset to want more. Mm -hmm. I feel it. I feel it. It's just a whole, like, I'm just so pro-therapy for everything. It ain't everything. Everybody just go and talk about your feelings. (laughs) Because there's no, it's just no space. Like, I'd love to have my own space where I could be for real, and just let it all hang out. Like, that's just the truth. Yeah, yeah. And people don't understand how good that is until they have it. That's why I'm telling people, like, they'll be like, well, I don't really think therapy is necessary. And I'm like, it's not even about being necessary. It's about where are you trying to grow to? Yep, yep. Are you content with just being stuck? Mm-hmm. So. And stuck can be comfortable. Like, okay. <laughs> like that's, the, that's the thing people don't tell you. Stuck can be like, eating a tub of ice cream you know <laughs> like it could just it'd be it'd be you eternally can, yeah. bad but and you totally can feeling. see it once you come out of your whole session you're like oh yeah you stuck like you stuck you over there uh-huh. i'm gonna need you to get unstuck over there like it's so you know since you're so aware of self now and then like you can begin to have clarity on people around you too you're like oh man like all right you need you need some help. I'm gonna send you this little uh, number. I'm gonna need you to call this lady, set up an appointment, and um, get you get your life together. But um, oh yeah, especially because I'm a classic overthinker. So that was the other thing. Yeah, too. me too. I'm very much an overthinker. <laughs> um, and so therapy helped me to get out of that too. Now I still do it, but I'm not as bad as I was. And now I'm able to stop myself when before. I mean, the rabbit hole was just endless. Like, my whole life, I had been kind of raised to challenge myself. Like, why do you do what you do? Yeah. Um, my mom was a great 
conversation with. So she would kind of do that with other people and she would do that with me. Like she always was like, why did you think this way? Or why did you do what you did? So when she was gone, that kind of went all the way left. Anything can be good until it goes all the way left. And so I just kind of kept like, well, why do I feel this way? Why do I think this way about people? What do they think about me? And, you know, I would kind of get caught in the cycle. And so when I started working with a therapist, I was able to see that A, that's a pattern of mine, and B, what do I need to not think that way? Because it's natural. It's just natural for me to kind of like challenge and challenge and challenge and think and look at perspectives and see how we got here. Um, and that's all well and good, but you have to find a, a way to A, a lot of times when you overthink, it's hard for you to extend yourself great. Yeah. Um, because you just know that you just are motivated by something to do something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and sometimes it's like, no, this is just because of these things. And this is how you got here. I had a space in therapy to work those things out. Absolutely. So, cool. Yeah. So for all y'all grievers out there, all y'all overthinkers out there, no. Nah. <laughs> 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 Appointments. Therapyforblackgirls.com. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, Vicky for just coming on and discussing such um, a prevalent topic you know especially uh, among us women and thank you for having me yes yes um, and as always peace out